0: Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the RTE Soccer Podcast and as usual we've got a lot to get through this week. As you can probably tell by now, I've been left on my own again this week as Adrian tries to recover from the shock of a Sligo Rovers win. On this week's pod we look back at the weekend's action including Shamrock Rovers sealing a historic 19 title win. Same Fats fans are checking to see if their passports are in date after securing European football and behind them the chase for third place is still ongoing. Friday night, I also saw Shelburne receiving the SSC the First Division trophy, as they said goodbye to the First Division and manager Ian Morris. While behind them, the playoff spots are confirmed. We've discussed the semi-finals ahead of the Wednesday games. And with women's football well and truly in the spotlight, we look back on Thursday's European Championship draw in the company of Kenny Shields as his Northern Ireland team look forward to the tournament next summer. And I'll do this without the help of Paul Corey and Pa Fennell. How are you doing, lads? How are we doing? You hey, alright Paul? How hey, you James, all good here? Let's just get straight into this, there's only one place to start and that's Tallah Stadium on Friday night as Shamrock Rovers brush past Harps to confirm their title number 19. And
1: we're going to get another third goal and the celebration can now start. Beckmanu around the goalkeeper, rather like Mandraio
0: did in the first half and just as you were picking Andrea as the man of the match in the 88th minute, the substitute makes it 3-0. Just a couple of seconds left now, all eyes, and referee Paul McLaughlin. And celebration time, can begin in Tara Shamrock Grovers have won it by three goals to nil. Danny Mandrew, a great in the first half, added two by the substitute. Higuainu in the second half, in the 88th minute, and it's finished 3-0. And Shamrock Grovers are the SSE, or Trissie League, Premier Division champions.
2: Stephen, congratulations, it's, it's been clinched
3: in, in plenty of time and absolutely tonight, uh, 3-0 was a, at very least a fair reflection of the, the game and maybe of the season as well. Yeah, I thought the players were excellent uh, in the manner in which they approached the game. It was a tricky one with the uh, big crowd and, and all the pressure was on winning it tonight obviously in front of the fans, but I thought they handled it really well and, uh, and thankfully got the three goals. Got a perfect start of course and Danny Mandroy who was the player of the match and he just said to us there, I love winning trophies, I love scoring goals, he does. Yeah, look, when we tried to sign we he, he had other options and we, and we said to him, come here and, and let us develop you and, and uh, bring you on, and, and he's came in and worked extremely hard. He, I think that's 12, 12 goals now, um, and we're still not finished, obviously, so uh, he can still hit his target, but he's been, he's been first class since he's come in, he's been top draw. Well, he scored two terrific goals tonight. The first showed his composure, the second his athleticism, I suppose. Yeah, his all-round game tonight was very, very good. His running power, his decision on went to run in behind and went to, went to stand. Um, and his all-round link-up play was very, very good. Do you feel that you've got the credit you deserve for these back-to-back title victories? It doesn't really matter. The players have created history uh, back-to-back. The first Shamrock Groves team to win it here, uh, it's fantastic. Um, all we worry about is what happens in this club and uh, what we speak about. Other people can have their opinion, whether we agree with them or not, is obviously up to us, but uh, we're not too worried about that, to be honest. I'm sure you're thinking about the future as well, though, and uh, Edomo Imaku getting the, the final goal. It was great to get Edomo and Colin on the pitch. They were both fantastic. Uh, they've been fantastic all year, and it's just about putting them in at the right times and protecting them, and both of them are very, very good.
0: Well, Pat, you were there on Friday night. I think that was probably the easiest man of the match you've ever had to pick, is it? <laughs>
4: I was a stroll in the park for Rovers. To be fair, it was you know it was so easy. Um, I was disappointed with Harps, to be honest, because they're fighting and scrapping for their lives. but they didn't show that on uh, on Friday night, and it was obviously difficult for them the big game as well tonight. So maybe the focus is on that. But the Rovers were Rovers were uh, without being brilliant, they were miles ahead. I had to be honest. They they started the game really well, put the get ga- the game to bed fairly quickly. Um, Which is probably what Stephen spoke about, that little nervousness, because it can be even though they are far ahead you know, to to get over the line and win the title. It can always be edgy, but they dealt with it really well, and like I said on the night as well, I I just think they they are so far ahead of the rest of the pack, and I think that probably showed them on Friday night. They never really got out of a third game and were really comfortable.
0: Yeah, Paul, they they seem to boss the ball and it helps when you go ahead so early in the game as well just to put it to bed in front of your own fans, 19 title on the line and away they go and win it with ease.
5: Yeah, 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head there, James. I think they, they own the ball really well in that game and that's probably been something that we've seen consistently throughout the season. And, and when they do that, they tend to take the legs away from the opposition and it can be, it can be a difficult one, particularly going to Taller where the pitch is quite big. They use the full width of it. They, they manipulate the ball well. They keep possession. And you always feel that when you feed the likes of, of your Mandrews, your Watts, your, your Graham Burks when, when they're playing, you always feel that they're going to produce something in the final third. And I think when you score early in Tala, it's a very difficult place to to kind of recover from and the game probably encapsulated the way they've played all season james and um, i think pat said it there you know they haven't had to get out of third gear and that that's probably i guess to do with the strength of, of the chasing pack but you shouldn't take away and we shouldn't take away from how good they've been with regards to consistency and bar that probably patch in the middle of the season where they went out of europe and went out of the fei cup bar that kind of little mini run of form they've been really good for for the for the remainder and and the the, I guess the full part of the season and particularly when you consider that they've lost the goals from Aaron McInef and the goals from Jack Byrne that was a major void to fill and and they've done that well this season so um, albeit the chasing pack wasn't as strong as maybe previous years we can't take away from what a good achievement it was
0: yeah, great achievement. But as as Stephen has mentioned several times over the year, it's all down to a squad. And I'm glad to say we're joined by Neil Ferrugia. Neil, uh, h- how's the celebrations been going?
6: Hey, lads! Thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been great. Um, it was it was great to see all the fans at the at the pub after the game. Um, it, it just goes to show how much it means to them and how much it means to the club to to win the game uh, in Tala
0: you've You've had a kind of ups and downs since since joining from u c d through injury and stuff like that, but you you seem to be getting back to where you were when you first came into the Rover squad
6: yeah it's been very much a hard sort of couple of years for me in terms of my obviously my hamstring injuries and then this year again I've had to get an operation on it but thankfully now I'm feeling good and I'm feeling you know ready to get going again and and uh, and to really kind of give it all on the pitch uh, for for next season as well.
0: Was it what was it like having like what was it seven thousand fans in talent on Friday night? Considering when the when the league was picked up last year against St Pat's, the trophy was picked up in an empty stadium. So it must have given you a massive boost on Friday night to go out in front of that type of crowd.
6: Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's, it's been a while for me as well. Um, I think the last time I played in front of that, that big of a crowd was probably Dundalk, uh, maybe a, a year and a bit ago, or even pre-COVID to a couple of years. And just to see all the fans there, it was just, you know, goosebumps coming on the pitch, uh, all the flares and all the chances. It's just, it just that bit of, of adrenaline you get before a game was just multiplied on Friday
0: you were expected to win this league over the next couple of games anyway, but how, how did Stephen build you guys up to it? Because even as he said, because you were at home, there was still a slight bit of pressure on you.
6: Yeah, exactly. I think before the game, um, we were told that we actually haven't won the league in Tala, like on the day sort of thing. And so we all knew as a team, as a squad, that how much it would mean to us and to the club to win uh, on Friday in Tala, And I think... he he built up the game uh, as to how big of an occasion it is for us. And uh, that's why we sort of just had that bit more of energy, that bit more of aggressiveness going into it, knowing that we really wanted to finish it on Friday.
0: Paul's already just mentioned that little blip you had, obviously the European run coming to a premature end on the FEI Cup. But he's obviously dug deep after that just to, just to make sure he clinched the title.
6: Yeah, exactly. We, we went through a purple patch, I guess, with the quick run of games. It was tough for the squad uh, to keep to keep going, and we, ended, and we had tough tough games as well. Uh, but as you said, like that's I obviously wasn't within the team, but we could see from the sideline uh, and in, within the club and how much how much the players were tired, and even when things were tough, we kept going, and and we just believed in our own abilities, and we believed in how we play, and uh, and thankfully, we were able to keep going and and get get back on a winning streak.
0: Pat, looking back on the season they've had, they've kind of recycled around the squad quite well just to keep
4: people fresh. Yeah, I think I think initially I did a couple of the early Rovers games and I went to see a few of them. I think Stephen was still obviously with losing the boys that they did lose. It was trying to get that balance right of the team and you know the wing back positions they chopped and changed a little bit and um, and then found a little bit of rhythm like you say and then then came up in that spell in the middle of it where. They went out of Europe and went out the cup. Um but that may have focused them as well. You know, sometimes that can be a help because, you know, I think I think that the, the cup and the league were f- or the, the European games are fairly close together and then it refocuses the mind sometimes to to be able to to think right that the one goal we have is to win the league title, which would have been the goal from the start. The run in Europe would have been a plus on the league cup, a league win or a cup win would have been a plus, but obviously the, for the folks at Rovers is to win league titles. And so it may have focused the, the mind a little bit, but in in, in the mention of the squad. I looked at the, the triple substitution on Friday and you're thinking, right, the boys are going off for all really good players, but the ones coming on are <laughs> probably just as good. So when you've got a squad like that, you, it does give you that. Um, You are able to use that squad without any fear, without any fear of dipping into maybe some players that you have a concern about whether they're at the level because Rovers probably have, to be fair, all the players they have, bar probably some of the younger boys, are at a very, very similar level. Um, And they've used that quite well over the course of the season.
0: Paul, um, just picking up on something that Stephen Bradley said, and it's been in the papers the last couple of days, I think it's, it's actually something that shocked me a bit. Not one Rovers player, one player of the month this year. That's It's, it's a little bit odd, isn't it? It
5: is, it is. Um, particularly, I guess, when you take into consideration the likes of maybe uh, you know Danny Manju or even one of the back five, or even Alan Manas how, how good they've been throughout the season. And, i don't know james maybe it's a maybe it's an element of expectancy that that's the the levels that are expected of some of those players and maybe when other teams are are coming into a bit of form or maybe when somebody's scoring a consistent basis it's it's hogging the limelight for a period of time and maybe that's kind of caught the eye of different people but it would it would and it does surprise me that given how far ahead they are within the league and and given how close they were to going through another round in Europe and, and hitting group stage, that somebody didn't pick up that award along the way. But I think in the background, James, um, you know, as a collective, I don't think the squad nor Stephen Bradley will be overly concerned about that. Um, I think the performances in the league was obviously going to be the main priority in taking care of, of winning that back-to-back league title. And, you know whether it's to be this season or next season, I'm sure those individual accolades will come along the way. But it is something when you when you look back and see how far ahead they are of the rest that somebody didn't pick up an award along the way. It, it would it would surprise people, I'm sure.
0: Obviously, Neil, um, we still got a couple of games left in the season, so someone might pick up a Player of the Month maybe for November or something like that. But. What is it that Stevens built into the crowd Into the team Because there's a lot of last minute goals Like we mentioned last week, last week How many last minute goals Came against Longford in injury time And stuff like that But that's what makes you Solid champions Is that you dig out results like that
6: Yeah It's I guess it's that sort of attitude That we have going into the game That we want to go into the game And, and really give it our best And I've always been amazed about how, how good Steven Bradley is um half halftime team talks as well. Like, you know, when it's not when games are not going our well and we need a goal, I feel like we just got the extra motivation at half time to come out and to try to get results. Is
0: is he is he a, a hairdryer job or is he calm and precise? <laughs> um
6: you know what a bit a bit of both. Like he it's it's just he kinda gives the right messages and, and gives the Sort of the, the the right mental boost that is needed for in that moment of time.
0: Excellent. Well, Neil, congratulations. That's uh, another title in your bag as well. In fairness, uh, very very good season. But before we let you go, actually, we need to ask you about UCD's chances in the the playoffs. Haven't left UCD to go to Shamrock Rovers. What do you think?
6: Um, I think uh, they're a very good squad of players. Um, it's playoffs are always tough because it always comes down to to, to, to the day. Like it's. It's like a it's like a cup in some ways. Um but I do think they've got a very good chance.
0: Excellent. Thanks very much, Neil. Well That's secured Shamrock Rovers 19th title as we said but over in Longford in the Bishops Gates and Pat secured a 4-1 win over Longford Town and with that they also secured a European spot for next season a hat-trick from in-form Maddie Smith another from Alfie Lewis should see Stephen O'Donnell's side finish second and with a cup final still to come this has been a successful season for the Inchcore side so far Pat do you think this this is what Stephen's been building to over the last couple of seasons?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there would have been question marks probably about around Pats at the start of the season. And in fairness to Stevie and, and the coach he has there, I think Alan matches is obviously a big help for them as well. They've got young coaches there learning and developing in the game and a guiding hand behind is always helpful, you know. So it's been a good season for Pats. Um, I think that you, it obviously will be, become a brilliant season if they can win the Cup. Um, but Bowes will have something to say about that. Um, but to finish second and to get to the cup final they'll see that as a as a as a decent season get to europe i think for any of them teams you know the likes of Pats europe is so important because what it allows you to do it gives you the resource and the finances to try kick on you know and 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 they've had a brilliant backer in 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 uh, mr kelleher up there as well who's 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 put his money behind the club and tried to you know push Pats on and obviously that European football is a major help and for a young manager like Steven as well it's difficult because you're coming in but you're coming in to manage a big club that has expectations you're not coming in to dip your toe at somebody that can maybe finish mid-table and be comfortable know the expectation of Pats is that they should be in the top three or four and probably rightly so so he's done really well and like I said if they can finish that off uh, with a cup win will then it'll be a fantastic season for them
0: yeah, Paul. It's shown the benefit of just giving time to these younger managers. We see in Stephen Bradley in, in Shamrock Rovers, and now Steve O'Donnell here in Inchicore where this is his first full season, and it seems to, it seems to be progressing along nicely.
5: Yeah, it's a, it's a very similar project that Stephen Bradley was sort of faced with at Shamrock Rovers, with I guess he was looking initially to to change a bit of a culture and get maybe more of the senior players out of the squad and replacement, with maybe some younger and, and fresher. Um, faces and I think Stevie deserves a lot of credit for that because like Matt or like Pat mentioned, mentioned there there's there's high expectations within the club and I think James what he's done really well is is that he's managed to blend those younger players into the squad and I think particularly when you look at the likes of Adara Burns who was superb in the FAI Cup semi-final and has been particularly over the course of the season he's a really good example of what he's trying to do and you mirror that with somebody like James Abanqua who's coming in and there's also younger players behind that who can also help push on the levels but you do need a good core group of, of senior players within the squad and I think he's found the right individuals in the, in the likes of a, a Chris Forrester, a Robbie Benson and a Lee Desmond and when they have a good spine like that and you bring kind of the, the vibrancy and the energy of the younger players into the squad you get a good a really good mix and if he could add probably the likes of, of two or three faces too that I, I don't think they'll be they'll be there or they won't be too far off the likes of a Shamak Rovers, whether that be next season or, or the year after that, but there's something building there and, and you can see kind of the the foundations that he's putting in place and it won't take too much more to get them up another level. And if they could get a win in the cup, um that might breathe a bit more uh I guess belief into into that squad. So you know, a really impressive job over the last 12 months. It'll be interesting to see what how it ends up and, and what they
4: build on next year. I think what to add to that, you know, Paul makes the point, and it's a very good point about, I think, what Stevie did really well this year because he probably wouldn't have had as big a budget as he had, pre or Pats have had previously, but he recruited really well in that senior ended, But he had a belief as well that he maybe had three or four young players that by the end of the season they may have developed to being in the first-team regulars and being in the team. So that was a bit of a gamble from him, you know, rather than go and spend the money and maybe bring in players that are being around. What he did was he, he spent it wisely on the senior players, and then he believed in what he had as a young group. So he's managed that end a bit really, really well. Sorry. Over the last Very number of up. years,
0: the underage, underage. set-up at St. Pat's has been really, really good. But the only player we've really seen come into the first team was Darren Markey from underage. But Stephen's done really well to look at those under-19s and so on. And, and probably with some input with Gerald O'Brien, to get play, players playing the way he wants for the first team. And he has brought them in really, really well this season.
4: But that sometimes that that's forced on you, and I'm not saying you, you get a budget. And as a manager, you're looking because Paul's point about the senior players is so important that they, that group of senior players are such have to be re- good players, obviously, to play for the bigger clubs. But obviously, have the right mentality and attitude that you're bringing younger players into the group that they can learn and develop from them. You know, and, and we've seen that with Pat's this year. They've they've done that really well. And you're right; they had have had a lot of successful teams at under age level, but we haven't seen that progressing to the next level of, of playing in the first team. And sometimes when there is a drop in finances or resources, you've got to look at look look at our other options. And they've done that really well. And that balance I think finishing second is, is a great achievement for them. But I think the makeup and the balance of their squad, Stevie will be as happy with that and what what he's done in relation to how he's utilises utilised his resources.
0: Yeah, well, moving on from St. Pats and behind them, it's starting to feel like nobody wants to finish in third, but Sligo Rovers did get a much-needed win over draw United. Two second-half goals, and Johnny Kenny saw them run out 2-0 winners and do just enough to stay in that last guaranteed Euro spot. Paul, it does feel that way, doesn't it, that nobody wants to get third or fourth, the way that the results have been going over the last couple of weeks?
5: Yeah, it certainly does, James, and I guess, you know, looking at, at Sligo, only, that was their first win in, in six, so it'll give you a, a bit of an insight into how they've sort of huffed and puffed over particularly the second half of the season, having started off so well. I guess my, my gut feeling, James, would be that they should probably have enough within that now to actually secure that that third position. And with the remaining fixtures that they have, you know, tonight they, they play Longford. You, you would surely... Backed them tonight to pick up another three, and that probably just opened up just a bit of a gap um, to secure that third place, which is going to be huge particularly for for sligo as well you know we all know the the advantages of finishing in those European spots and the financial boost that it that it gives two squads and if lean Buckley was able to i guess have that at his disposal well then he might look at something that they can build upon but albeit they've had a a poor second half of the season if if they were to secure European football again this season you would have to see that as a positive but you kind of feel that there there might be a little bit to play out within there but my money would be on Sligo they should have enough there to actually secure it
0: Pat, just that grasp of third spot especially now fourth may not definitely guarantee a European spot with Pat and mm-hmm. Bowes in the final obviously yeah. it must be hard to try and reinvigorate these guys after what they've gone through but Liam seems to have done it with that win, and then as Paul's mentioned, if they get a win tonight against Longford, should realistically secure it for them.
4: Yeah, they're in the pole position, aren't they? They're in a the good position with Dardy and Bowe's probably doing each other the service at the weekend, themselves, Sligo as well, with that victory they had. Um, You know, so I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking forward. Like you say, three points tonight, then they're in a really strong position, you know. I think Liam will be frustrated with the season as well, because they've been on a run where they start, I think, four seven games, they were brilliant, then the next seven or eight, they struggle, and then started again well and then have dropped off so it's very frustrating I think as a manager when you, you, you've you got a team like that because you know that they've had you know been able to put a run of form together and then dropped off you know maybe twice in the season so I'm sure he's, he'd be hopeful that they can hang on to that European place and then stru- try strengthen the squad and, and earn out them problems that they have Um, you know they don't concede a lot of goals uh, Sligo but they don't score a lot and that's probably that's something that they will look at come next season.
0: Paul, I think they have one common denominator here and that's Greg Bulger, once he's in the squad they seem to do well, get draws or get a win
4: Yeah and you
5: know they've nailed him down for, for next season as well which was was really important for them but I, I saw some of the statistics without Greg and the team and it's, it's quite frightening to think that somebody could have such a an impact on the results but I guess he he anchors that midfield midfield really well. He gives good protection to the back four. Like Pat's mentioned there, they don't concede many goals, and that probably comes down to Greg. Not only his um, defensive capabilities, but just his all round organisation. He he obviously knows the game. He's been around the league quite a while, and he's obviously somebody that's very important to them. And it's 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 uh, I guess. A bit of a blow for for Sligo that he's missed so many games, whether that be through injury or other means. But somebody who's who's kicked on because it could have been easy for Greg when he when he left Shamrock Rovers, given the age that he's at now for his performance levels to dip. But it's a credit to himself, the the motivation he has and his love for the game that he's kicked on again. And it's good to see. You know, I would have played with Greg when I was at UCD, and his use of the ball is, and his range of passing is is probably something that's a bit undervalued. But to see him having probably dropped out of Shamrock Rovers to go up to Sligo and do so well, is, is something promising, but from a Sligo point of view, you know, they shouldn't be dropping so many points without him in the team. But he's certainly somebody that Liam Buckley likes. He had him down at Pats, and he's he's somebody who could potentially see building a squad around for the next 12 24 months.
0: Well, as Pat mentioned, Derry City needed a late goal to get from Ronan Boyce to secure a point against Bowes. And Derry and Bowes doing each other a no no level of good with that point, which maybe sees one of them. Both of them need to really get that fourth place, depending on, obviously, the cup final. But Bowes have it all in their own hands because they win the cup final, they get the European spot and fourth doesn't. But, Pat, over the last couple of weeks, this is the way it's gone. Is it? But if you look where Derry have come from to where they are, R- Rory's doing a really good job there, is he?
4: Yeah, he has. He's done a fantastic job, and I think you know if they were to get Europe, it would be. I think probably not ahead of schedule as such, but it'll be a major plus for them because he has improved them. There's no doubt about that. Um if they were to nick a European spot, well, then it'd be it'd be big for them going forward. We all know they're 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 um they look like they're recruiting well at the moment, in in, in the hope of next season, where you'd, you'd imagine Derry will be stronger again. But he has done a really good job there, and themselves and bows are are, are sort of nipped and tuck at the moment. Nobody can put that two or three wins in a row together to, to sort of shoot them up the table and maybe claim that fourth spot. So it's still to play for. And I'm sure Drott as well, looking not too far behind him, will be will be will be still have eyes on that as well. Looking both ways, are probably at this stage up and down. So yeah, it's an interesting finish to the season. Like you said, we're not we don't know who's gonna win the cup, so that fourth spot might become really important. Paul
0: You have to think that with the result on Friday night that Keith Long and the Bo's backroom staff are definitely going to be looking towards uh, the cup final for that Euro spot
5: yeah I, I, James they'll be terribly disappointed once again uh, to concede so late on and I was actually just kind of looking at some of the maths behind it. I think they've coughed up probably the guts of 10 points having conceded in the dying moments of, of games and normally when we look at these statistics you look at kind of the last 10-15 minutes but in the case of Bo's it, it's it's literally the, the last 5 minutes and that probably includes injury time that they've conceded late on and I mean, you look at the goal the other night, you know, there was no pressure on the cross and then they're failing to clear their lines uh, from the first attempt and then they're not picking up on, on second balls in, in their own box. And that's not a good sign. Um, you know, given the fact that they're their second highest goal scorers in the league, uh you know, they've scored 52 goals. They've actually also conceded 41. So it's pretty easy to pinpoint where the improvement is needed. Um, and like you mentioned there, you would you would imagine that's their best and probably only hope of European football now is going to be that cup final. But the form that they're on, James, at the moment, that, that will concern me. I, I didn't think they were brilliant against Waterford in the, in the FAI Cup semi-final either. But the group have shown, I guess, over the course of the season that, particularly in Europe, on the big occasion, they can produce... Performances and they can produce results, but the the last um, you know the last eight league games have only won once, so that would be the main concern. And there is that soft spot at the back. Um, I don't think they've looked right all season, so it's something that they're going to need to patch up over the next um, couple of games in the lead up to the cup final. But you would imagine that the eyes and the focus within. The players, whether they're going to say it or not, will, will be towards the Aviva in November. But uh, it's important now, I think between now and the end of the season, that they actually start to shore up that back back four and they start to, to put a bit more of a foundation in place because Pat's the way they're playing and the fluidity they have going forward could cause them problems.
0: Well, I for one was over the minute to see Ronan Boyce scoring an injury time considering Georgie Kelly's 96-minute equaliser against Derry a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) But but we'll put that aside (laughs) for now. Anyway, the final game on Friday was class as a must-win for both sides with Dundalk and Waterford need to move away from the relegation playoff spot. A game that started with protests from the Dundalk fans aimed at owner's peak six. Finished with celebrations as a solitary goal by Daniel Kelly was enough to give the Lily Whites the three points. Let's hear from Dundalk manager Vinnie Perth.
1: It was one of our best performances uh, right up until the last little bit of putting the ball in the back of the net. We've done enough to win three, four games there tonight. The keeper was outstanding, same as Monday night. Uh, We've met two outstanding goalkeepers in the Pats, keeper and Waterford. But um, at the same time, we needed a big moment from Peter Cherry. But uh, tonight, our supporters and our players stuck together They ignored all the noise around the club and it was an outstanding night for for the team and the players and a a really important three points because we're now four points off fourth, which which might get us Europe and we've got to try and finish as high as we can. Um, A couple of big moments went against us. The penalty decision in in Daly Mount Park has meant we're not closer
4: to Europe than we should be. Big game against Drogheda up next. How do you see that working?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's a local derby, it's a chance for both teams to push towards Europe. A European spot might be fought, and uh, I think both of us will do it. Dave, Tim Clancy's done a, a great job there. They're still ahead of us in the league, so uh, you must give them full credit.
0: Pat, we've already mentioned how far ahead Shamrock Rovers won the league by and the chasing pack. But it says a lot about the standard league this year that Dundalk are struggling and struggling and struggling. But with three games left, they're only four points off a European split.
4: Yeah, it is. I think for me, there's a massive gap from Rovers to the to the rest. Fairness, Pat's have had a good season, like we spoke about. But the 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 rest of the teams are. You know, I think the standard has, has, has been really poor this season. That's that's being totally honest with you. I think Dundalk for the players they have and the budget they had, they should be doing a lot better than the air. You know, all the noise outside is okay, but you can't use that as an excuse. They've still got a lot of talented players, you know. They've won eleven games from twenty three, which is not good enough for the squad they've had. Um but like you say, there is that, that gap. Even though they have such a bad season, they could end up winning the next two or three games and, and, and nick that fourth spot and Make us all look a bit foolish, but you know, it's still for me, it's 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 you know, it's not good enough for for what they have. You know, they should they should be much higher up the table and and nearly guaranteeing themselves Europe at this stage with with the squad of players that they have. But for for some reason that hasn't worked and they've got to you know, you can blame other people, you've got to look yourselves sometimes as well and say, Have I done enough? Um, you know, but like you say, outside that there's very little between the rest of the teams and we've even seen that over the last few weeks, even about that third and fourth spot, who wants it, who's gonna claim it, they all keep dropping points or beating each other so it's uh, it'll be an interesting end to the season to see what way it actually ends up because you're looking at Dundalk and Drottland, they will what he says they will be looking and thinking we've still got a slight chance you know and looking down the other way as well This, you know if Waterford, if Waterford were to win the their next game will then that put pressure on them so it's 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 still all to play for in the, that sort of European spot and that, that playoff spot as well
0: Paul as Pat says there if you look at the starting line up that Dundalk have available to them I it seems a bit crazy to be where they are considering the talent that's available
5: yeah um, and I, I think Pass makes a good point there with regards to you know the the resources and the budgets they have and you said there James the players that they have uh, I think the, the players have probably got off a bit lightly this season and, and the finger hasn't really been pointed at the the core group of players that have played the majority of the games because of so much has gone on off the pitch. But when, when it comes to it on on a Friday night, um, you know, the the eleven that they put out should be more than enough to beat the majority of teams within within this elite, given one, the experience that they have, but two the quality. And I don't think the players have shown up enough throughout the season and produced performances. Um, that they're that, that they're capable of, and that probably goes back to you look at the game against Vitesse and and how closely they ran them there. We haven't seen anything like that level of performance on a consistent basis in the league, and I would ask major questions of, of particularly the senior players in that squad about the standards that they've been allowed to accept, um, at different stages during the season. It's just not been good enough, and of course you can, the you know the the outside noise and what's gone on off the pitch hasn't helped but at the same time you would expect that given what they have at their disposal they should be far far away from where they are in the league and European football should be given for, for that core group of players so it'd be interesting one you know we I think we only kind of get in the, the tip of the iceberg of what's actually happening within the club but with the number of players that are going to leave at the end of the season um, it doesn't bode well but you know they could still rescue it but I really just don't see it happening James
0: Pat, on on Waterford, obviously a club that you've had connections to in the past Mark mm. Bircham, he just seems to be hit by oh, well, catastrophe after catastrophe, doesn't he? Now we've got a power issue does, but at the RSC that's getting in the way of playing a game tonight
4: Yeah, he, but he, he is, you know, I think I think I read somewhere, It's only Rover since he've come in the last 30 points or something, he's a, a better record so he, he's done a really, really good job but he just can't get that, you know, get closer to, to maybe the two or three teams ahead of them and, and, but they, they won't give up and you wouldn't fancy playing them in a playoff neither. Some of the fourth division, so I was looking at them, mightn't fancy meeting Waterford neither because he, he has them playing well. I was really disappointed with them in the semi-final of the cup, but I went to I went to, Daily to watch them because I hadn't seen too much and I thought they, 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 I'd like to see them in the flesh, but they disappointed me a little bit. Now, whether the occasion got the better of them, I don't know, but they were poor, but they showed a lot of character to bounce back and go back two days later and pick up huge three points. So he's done a really, really good job with Waterford and we need Waterford to stay in the league. It's a big club, big support. Huge potential, so we need him in the Premier Division.
0: Yeah, I think so, Paul Waterford. We need we need regional teams basically instead of having a, a, a Dublin based league. And I think the job he's done since he come in, Pat said. They're like they're only second in form at the minute to Shamrock Rovers. Another, I think, another win should see him away from um, Finn Harps. But it'll be a great job for Mark.
5: Yeah, it would and, and he deserves major credit for the job that he's done since he's gone in there. I don't know, but it always seems like Waterford seem to firefight in the, in the second half of the season, and whether it's because they're adding good players, um, kind of in that in that transfer window, or whether it is they just seem to pick up form. They seem to always have a, a decent second half to the season, and I guess the most important part there, James, is is that they they keep Mark Bertram at the club next year if they are to stay in the Premier Division and they try build something. Around him and the players that they have there, um, they still have to play Longford. I would imagine that would be three points that they pick up, and obviously then they've they've three other difficult games against Derry, uh, Shamrock Rovers, and St. Pat. So, that last kind of um playoff position is is certainly one that's probably going to go right down to the wire. But uh, you would imagine, given the form that Waterford have shown over the last while, they should have enough to to steer clear of it. I think it's probably going to be close between, a Finn Harps and. I, I keep looking at Drogheda uh, I I still feel as if they've have a bit of bit of a fight in their hands to stay in the league too.
0: Well, on to the First Division now, and with Shelburne finishing off the league with a one-all draw home to UCD, it was time for celebrations to well and truly start around Tolka Park. Just like the Premier Division, Shelburne were worthy winners and with just two losses all season, they finished six points ahead of Galway United in second place. And with the league all finished up, that leaves us with the fixtures for the promotion playoffs as Galway United travelled to Bray in the first leg, and Trinity United welcome UCD to the Markets Field on Wednesday night, and as Pat, you've already said... Whoever wins these playoffs, if the, it is Finn Harps, Waterford, or maybe even draw it as Paul suggested, they're they're in for a tough final, really, aren't they?
4: Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, it's it's not going to be easy, no matter who they, they play. And even calling the semi-finals, if you want to call them that, in the, in the playoff is is difficult as well. Like, Bray have a decent squad as well. Go a your strong squad. You know, Treaty have done really, really well this year, haven't they? To, to, to get themselves into the playoff, I think they were very late coming to the table, so. Um, and UCD are always around at that end of the table you know? you know I haven't seen too much of UCD this year but um, in fairness they are difficult games to call at the moment but it'll be you know if they're going to be facing either Finn Harps Waterford Drogheda Dundalk well then it's going to be a difficult game for anyone who who comes through that playoff series
0: Do you reckon Pat with that Galway Bray one John Caulfield's experience might just push it in their favour?
4: Yeah I think they've hit a bit of form at the right time although they are obviously got well beaten at the weekend, but I imagine the focus would have been on on these two games coming up. Um, obviously John's experience will no doubt help him. As you know, he's managed he's managed in a lot of games in the League of Ireland, so that will that will stand to him. Bray have a decent enough squad. They've got some talented players as well. I've seen Bray a couple of times at Tolka this year against Shells and they were they were okay. So. Um, you'd imagine, you know, Galway have, are spending a good bit of money as well, a full-time setup. So they'll be hoping to be at least be in the playoff. All the, the start of the season, they would have had a rise and getting promoted. But you know, second best would have been in the playoff. So I'd imagine they will hope they they will be in the final.
0: Paul, from the other the other semi-final, Treaty versus UCD. Treaty, it's some story, isn't it? To have no team about eight days before the league kicked off to being in a playoff towards the end is it, it, it's, it's a great story for Treaty and for Limerick.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and I think given the fact that they were, I guess, up against it with regards to when the team was put together, it's a testament to everybody down there that they've been able to, I guess, produce results and also put themselves in a position whereby um, they're in the playoffs and, you know, getting relationships between players and getting, I guess, um foundations in place and a system and a manager and players, that takes time, and, and for that quick turnaround to actually result in a fourth-place finish... Um, says a lot about the job that's gone down there. Uh, given, I guess, my affiliation to UCD, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the students can produce something there. I think they've got a really good crop of young players, particularly when you look at the likes of Colin Whelan. They're, they're really good going forward. They're the top goal scorers in the league. And uh, I guess it's always a bit of a lottery when when they take to the field because I guess you've got so many young players, you're, you're kind of hoping that the occasion doesn't get the better of them. But that will be a really tight one. Um, I, I think UCD will... Will probably nick us, and uh, I'm, you know my fingers crossed are that they can go on from there.
0: Pat Wheel Whelan, as as Paul said, he's he's been an absolute star in the division this year, and you you think that he's going to be the big threat for Treaty to, to basically try and yeah, keep him was, without he was scoring.
4: Like, yeah, he's at Waterford, and I was there as a kid, as a really young kid. He's still only very young. Yeah, he's a good player. He, he knows where the goal is. I think he's developed this year. I think his game has come on in leaps and bounds. He's he's learned. The role as well the way to play and you know he's, he's now able to play in his own and play just back to goal a lot more he's a decent player and Cargan Kern, is that his name is a decent player as well so they've got some listen UCD always produce really good players and it's interesting Paul there because from looking outside I, I would have said that UCD will go into these games with with no fear as such because it's that expectancy there Know that they that they get promoted. I'm not too sure. Paul may be able to answer that better. They seem to be able to go into games and play the bigger games without any real fear on them. You know, which is which is a big help if you've got that many young players because that expectancy is probably not there. And um, but they keep churning out and 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 developing players, and I'm sure we'll see some of the bigger bigger clubs uh, come in for one or two of their players at the end of the season, whether they get promoted or not.
0: Yeah, they always seem to be able to play with abandonment and a, a free reign when they go onto the pitch, UCD, but. Hopefully those games obviously taking place on Wednesday night and um, we'll see who comes out on top of that and then the the corresponding fixtures at the weekend. And obviously we're recording this before tonight's games. we would see Sligo Rovers welcome Longford to the showgrounds where three points could well and truly see them secure that third place. Finn Harps have drawn in Finn Harp in Finn Park. And as a preview of the cup final inch course, St. Pat's take on Bowes. And tomorrow, Waterford will welcome Derry City to the RSC for a, an earlier kickoff at 6.15. But before we let the lads go, we have to touch on the Premship. Uh, on the weekend's results Paul I take it you're a very happy Chelsea fan with the way they're ticking along at the moment
5: yeah absolutely James they're they're really banging form at the moment you know, I mean particularly considering the players that they're missing at the moment the likes of Werner Pulisic Lukaku um, you know this shows I guess the strength and depth that they have there they're really firing on all cylinders and there's a good spread of goals amongst the squad and you know, it doesn't surprise me that the likes of Reese James and Ben Chilwell are starting to to score on a more regular basis because they're they're finding themselves further up the pitch and they create a number of different chances. So, uh, you know, the organisation Tuchel has put in place there with regards to the back five and the foundations from Jorginho and Kovacic and Kante. Um, it seems as if they're starting to find the back of the net a bit more. And that was probably the one question mark that a lot of people had around Chelsea is whether or not they'd be able to score enough goals to, to win enough games to take them to a league title but it's certainly looking good and with the results elsewhere um, as a Chelsea fan things things are looking good James I'm over there this weekend for the Burnley game so I'm hoping they, they can produce something again but um, you know signs, signs are good given the, the start to the season they've had
0: Yeah you only travel to the big games Paul don't you?
5: <laughs> well, the last one I, I was at was the Champions League final, so <laughs> I haven't seen them since with, with COVID and whatnot, but uh, I wouldn't say Chelsea and Burnley is a big one, James. It's probably not one of the sexier fixtures in the Premier League.
0: Pat, as the only person here who's managed anywhere over under eights, um, <laughs> Oli Golnir Solskjaer looked as if he turned a corner. At the weekend, beating Spurs, but then the sacking of Nuno Espirito Santo this morning. Does that lessen that result for Ali or is is it a premature sacking, do you think?
4: Oh, listen, I think it's a premature sacking for me, four months into the job, like you know. But listen, that's the way football's gone. Uh, I I think I don't I don't think Oli will ever turn the tor- corner unless he he wins the Premier League. I think that's just unfortunately the way football has gone. That. You know, people have an opinion, and they have to, to get that out there freely. And it's 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 becoming harder for, for for managers and coaches. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, last week, you know, United were were so bad, um, that everybody was, even the the man the Man United fans were probably thinking, you know, well, he's, it's it's time to go. Even though they loved them, they just thought it was time to move on. But again. You know, you're hoping at Manchester United, you know, a bit like some of the clubs here, give, give them a bit of time and let them try develop. We've got to see some improvement in them. They've got a lot of talented players. I think the big question mark around Manchester United you know, is have they got that desire and that hunger and that, that nastiness to, 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 to go and deal with the games against the bigger sides. Um, You know, they've got they've got a soft spot, you know, f- there's no doubt about that in centre midfield and centre half for me. Um, so. I think it'll always be the same for Ollie at the moment, for, un, unless he gets a really good run of results that, you know, the next defeat will, will lead to the same question, so unfortunately, but managers are losing their jobs a lot quicker now and it, like I said, it's just becoming harder.
0: I was going to leave it there but I have to mention Brighton against Liverpool and the reason I mention this is I was watching Sky on on the weekend and Clinton Morrison was looking after this game for Sky and he said with 25 minutes gone I may as well watch a different game game over that's it Liverpool have won it but Brighton turned it around and it's just another example of how these teams are able to crack away and keep moving and keep moving and it's another good enough performance from Shane Duffy and he, he seems to be getting a lot of momentum as well Paul and it, it, it just shows that anybody can take points generally in these games as well
5: Yeah, Brighton are, are a dangerous team to play against James they play with uh, I guess an openness to their play and a freedom to their play and they've got good players in, in that system now to, to make them very dangerous for any opposition that they come against and I, I mean the the most impressive part of that result is the fact that they went 2-0 down at Anfield and they didn't drop the heads, they kept plugging away at it. Um, and they're creating enough chances within the games that they play that they're causing enough teams' uh, issues. I think when you look back on last season, the the where they finished in the tables was probably not a fair reflection of how well they performed. And they seem to have rectified that this season and they seem to be a lot more efficient in front of goal and, and also at their own in their own back four or back five depending on the system that they play. Shane Duffy has obviously been a big part of that. He was probably a fall for that goal. The, the Mane header, he, he kind of just got caught underneath the flight of the ball and um you know it was, it was a good finish from Mane, but they created a lot of chances James particularly in that second half enough that they actually could have gone on and won the game. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the disallowed goal that went for offside but well, that was a that was a really tight call and uh, you know whether it be Brighton or, or even the likes of Palace there's no really easy games probably outside of Norwich in the Premier League and and the job Graham Potter has done there you wouldn't be surprised I I know he's he's got a a really good foundation and the club is going in the right way and there's probably a solidity to it but if one of the you know the likes of a Tottenham or uh, one of those bigger jobs. Even in Newcastle, with all the finances they have, and um, you wouldn't be surprised if Graham Potter is going to be at the top of some of those lists, given the job that he's done there.
4: Doesn't that also say to you about you know the season they had last year and 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 they struggled and you know but when you watched them they you know were really good and looking at a lot of games but they stuck with them. You know they said, listen, we have something here. You know there's definitely something building, and we give him a bit of time, and that's what they've done. And obviously this season has started so well for them.
0: Excellent, lads. Thanks very much. So that's where we leave the league action aside for now. And I'm happy to say I'm joined by Northern Ireland senior women's team manager, Kenny Shields. Northern Ireland have been suddenly going about their business over the last couple of years. And under the stewardship of Kenny, they've got through to the playoff final where they beat Ukraine 4-1 on aggregates to progress to the 2022 finals. Last Thursday saw the draw for them finals which got them into a group with hosts England as well as Austria-Norway and they'll start their championship campaign with a game versus Norway in Southampton on Thursday the 7th of July. Kenny, I'm over the moon that you could join us today. Um, it, it's been such a whirlwind with the women's team, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it really has. It's been, it's been very good actually and they've really taken into how we want to try and get some success and, and they've been fantastic
0: yeah, as I said, they've been going about it quietly enough, you have. Like, you've been building results and results and results. And yeah. I think people might have been a bit surprised to see you in that playoff final. But if you looked at the results coming up to this, you were slowly but surely building.
2: Yeah, we were. And, you know, we're always sort of fighting above, above ourselves. And you can only do that for so long, the, you know, on the downside of things. But we'll, we'll keep cracking away and and see if we can do it again. The 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 Austria and England games are next April in the World Cup, and then we play Austria and England in July in the, in the Euros finals.
0: Yeah, and as I said, like the, the building of it, um, it's it's eventually caught the imagination of the public, not just for the Republic of Ireland team, but mostly for the Northern Ireland team. We consider how you have built the team on a lot of local players. A lot of players playing in the league in Northern Ireland, which seems to have yeah. got a lot of a lot of um, promotion off this, shall we say?
2: Yes, James. Uh, we have played, uh, but ninety percent would be the local domestic league, and it was amazing because I went in after we did the promotion of the of the upcoming game, as you do in Belfast, and. Myself and a couple of members of the media, we went round to a coffee shop and one of my players was actually serving us. and it just brought it home to me how they, they work on different they work very, very local to the play, and I have to say that they' they've juggled it so well with their work to, to play.
0: Yeah, and as is with most women's football, if you look like, as I said, you've got Laura Wade, just 27, uh, Kerry Beatty, even just 19 from Glens and stuff like that. So a lot of a yeah. lot of local young girls who, who just want to get out and, and put that green jersey on. And uh, I don't know how you've done this, because even if you look back, not just this campaign, but the previous campaigns, there's been some very, very poor results for them. But to, to turn that around has been just immense.
2: Yeah, well the example that people use is in eleven years the same players had won two World Cup games and five days we won two World Cup games. You know, it's it's how they've transformed themselves has been unique. It it's it's really a chapter worth looking at.
0: Yeah, as you said, you you've still got to play you've already played England and Austria obviously in the World Cup groups and the Austrian game, a 92nd minute equaliser must have really really shattered the girls, especially the free kick in particular for the second goal. was an absolute cracking goal. But yeah. um, like knowing what you're up against and being able to put it up to them give, gives you hope within that group. Because as I said, England in it, probably the favourites to come out of it. But it does give you hope for that second spot.
2: There's no doubt that's given the girls a lift. And they haven't been in this situation before what what it does it gives them that impetus to go and get can't wait to play austria and england again to see if we can measure that and talking of measurement uh, my first game when we came in in 2019 was against norway and they beat us 6-0 so this will give us a chance to look at maybe how far we have come because norway are one of the world greats
0: yeah and, and as I said like Norway and England will be the tough ones in that group but even even in your World Cup qualifier against England they didn't have it all their own way Like it took them until very late in the second half to start scoring goals against you
2: Yeah it was uh, if you look at the and reflect on that game it was tough for our girls because they were playing against a very fit, athletic strong, quick team with a bench that could start for any other European nation. So they brought them off the bench, and uh, the the bench scored the four goals. It just showed you how mm. fit they were.
0: Yeah, it's a great testament to what they're doing. As we said, a lot of these players. Like I think in your last starting lineup, you probably only had one, two, three, four people, four players, maybe starting outside of Northern Ireland league.
2: Yeah, and we had we lost five players. Mm. In, in the Sunday after the England game. So it was it was a tough game. And we knew we would have to take shortcuts in, in how we play. And things worked well. OK, they got an injury time equaliser, which killed us a wee bit and it dampened the mood. But the fact that we were able to hold on to what we had for so long and if it had been on another fifteen minutes, they would have scored five or six because our legs had gone everywhere. The tank was empty, and we were in. We were trying to get through to the ninety-third minute, but we can only reach ninety-one and a half, and they scored, and that was that was it.
0: Kenny, what did, what do you put it down to? Is it a case of you've come into the group and they've bought into what you want to do? Or was the potential there that just it just needed to be unlocked with these girls?
2: There was always potential there, and and I feel that we've we've done it in a human way, in which we, we looked at how we could help the players. I don't think we we should take uh, too much credit away from the players, but the staff and and uh, my own position, we've been very calculated in and how we've uh, treated the players, how we've uh, became a family. All of those attributes and qualities were there, and it helped us in our approach to games, our preparation, and how we, how we played the, the games.
0: And obviously, with so many local players, I think it it means that you and your backroom staff can see them week week by week and see how they're progressing and yeah do their stats and stuff like that and see how they, how they not only how do they perform in the games but how they recover after it as well to help you during camps yeah
2: we've we've done all that, and that's true, James that we have to keep going deal because we're going to have a break wall someday and and when that's there we'll we'll have a fair idea how to deal with. Any negativity that might come in. But we will do our best in every occasion. And we keep talking like that. Our language is good. The the psychodynamic of the grip is good. So we're working hard to improve upon it all the
0: time. It does seem to be very reminiscent of some of the club teams you've taken on over the years where you've got a good mix of mature players as well as young players. As I mentioned, Kerry, just yeah. 19, and then you go up to Marissa, age 36, and Julie as well, 36. So there's a good mix of um, mature players as well as youth coming through the squad.
2: Definitely. We, we work in that way that there's a balance in the age groups. I remember when it came to Derry, the, you know, as you will know, we had one player in, in the mid-20s, mm. and we had to sort of um, attack that age group and, and try to get players in. And, you know, the success we had at Derry was was immense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I, th- I think it's probably hard for you right now to look ahead to the championships when you're in the middle of a, a, a qualifier already. But as you said, these games coming up are going to help you judge where you are and maybe bring some confidence into the championships come July.
2: Yeah, it's, we, we want to see the improvement, but everybody has to be hungry to make improvement. And we've got to pick the right characteristics, and we've got to pick the right footballers as well. So it's getting that blend together, and we're keen to get at it again. We go to North Macedonia next month, and then we play them at home four days later. So those will be good targets for us
0: they be good targets and hopefully come July of next year especially with the, the tournament taking place in, in England as well very very close hopefully this will ignite the imagination of the people in Northern Ireland and you can get a good crowd behind you especially that first game in Southampton I think most of your games is going to be based around Southampton anyway but hopefully this ignites the imagination and, and you can push on and make make stars of this, of this team that very few people yeah. outside of women's football would know who they are
2: they'll go down in history no matter how we do that they still have that mantle of playing in the finals in England. And we want to be part of it. We just don't want to be an also-ran. Uh, the coefficient has, from 1 to 16, 15, the 15 teams that's qualified for the last 16 have all been in their numerical order of 1 to 16. And the only one missing is Scotland. So we take their place. We're, we're 27 seed. So we've come up a long way from being seated in the 40s.
0: No, it's been an absolutely wonderful campaign. I'm over the moon for yourself, Kenny. I'm over the moon for the whole team. Um, it's it's something that um, people within the island of Ireland need to get behind. I think it's great to see an international team, a women's international team here, pushing all the way through to the finals, yeah. which I said, start in July of 2022. Kenny, I, I wish you all the best of luck and hopefully we, we see a couple of good results because it's tournament football. Absolutely anything can happen.
2: Definitely. I agree with that, James.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Kenny Shields.
2: Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
0: And that was Kenny Shields. And hopefully the Women's Euro 2022 Championship Finals will be part of a great summer of sport on RT television next year. Well, that's all we have time for this week. So until next week, it's goodbye from me.